and welcome to Lunar Magic Tea Time, where we discuss all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nancy. And this week is our Sullen episode. This episode is being recorded about a week before Halloween or Sullen 2020. This is a pretty big sabbat for both Nancy and I, but I think we approach it from slightly different angles. And we're going to take this episode to share our thoughts and traditions and maybe a little folklore to go along with it. In our sabbat episode, we talked about the basic meaning behind Samhain as the last of the harvest festivals and the last of the festivals to sort of give thanks to the greater than or the deities for the bounty that they've given us to get us through the winter. This is a time of honoring the past, which includes the concept of honoring the past that we've just done in this, like in the spring when we sowed all those seeds and the longer past, the deeper past, which includes honoring ancestors for the foundation that they have laid for us. Almost every culture has some sort of holiday to honor the dead and the long dead. And Samhain in its current form, current popular form, is a blend of neo-pagan and from mostly Celtic tradition. And really it's one of the few holidays that the Christians haven't totally hijacked. True, true. All States Day, but really it's, um, and you're going to go over some of the traditions, it's really still a pagan holiday from what I could see. It, it really is very pagan. All Saints Day is what, two days later? The second. So one of the traditions that we all associate with Halloween is the jack-o'-lantern. And another one is trick-or-treating, which I'll get to in a minute. But the jack-o'-lantern stems from an Irish tradition and an Irish folk tale. Uh, the first jack-o'-lanterns were carved from turnips or potatoes. And <laughs> what else would they be from Ireland? <laughs> right. Right. That's in England they carved them out of beetroot. And I thought that would make an intro, well, A, that'd be messy as all get out, but I thought that would make a lovely lantern. Yeah. But the story seems to come from the story of Stringy, Stringy Jack, who was your standard ne'er-do-well. So I have to tell you, when I was researching this, all I could picture was one of my great uncles on my grandmother's side. He just fits this, like, this is, this is who I'm picturing. And my grandmother was very Irish. So it seems Jack developed a habit of tricking the devil, first by drinking with the devil, but because he didn't want to pay, because he wasn't there too well, he convinced the devil to change into a coin. He slipped that coin into his pocket and he kept the devil in the shape of the coin in his pocket, thanks to a crucifix he also had in his pocket. He kept the devil there for so long that the devil agreed to not bother Jack for a year and to not claim his soul if he died within that year. After that year was up, devil comes a knocking. Jack managed to trap him up a tree, got him to climb up the tree and trapped him there by carving a cross on the tree. Made him wait there so long that the devil agreed to wait 10 years this time. When Jack finally died, God decided he didn't want somebody like that in heaven. <laughs> and because the devil can't take him in hell, Jack was forced to wander the earth with nothing but a low burning coal to light his way. He keeps his coal in a carved out turnip. So that's where we get the jack-o'-lantern. He's carrying his coal to light his way as sort of a shade or a half 
he's not quite dead and he's not quite alive. As the story grew, people would carve their own lanterns out of similar materials to thwart Jack from coming into their home. When you're describing him, I pictured the Jack Lantern guy on The Nightmare Before Christmas, that really tall... Mm, yeah, I was picturing that too, because yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas is one of Shorty's favorite movies of all time. Yeah. So most pagans will experience that the wall between our world and the spirit world is much, much thinner this time of year. And I know I, I feel that way. We actually, uh, in our Zoom meeting earlier this week, were catching a lot, we were catching a lot of activity at Nancy's house. The orbs. That's one of the reasons that we honor those that have gone before us. That veil is thin enough that they can share time with us. So even the weakest, quote, weakest spirits can come share time with us. Trick-or-treating is thought to have originated from the idea of mumming and guising, which is going door-to-door in disguise, reciting poems or stories in exchange for food. Sort of similar to Christmas caroling a little bit. It's thought that this was done on behalf of the dead. So you would go... I would dress up, say, as my grandmother, go to someone's house, recite my poems. I would get food in her honor, and then I would take that food back and put it on my altar to my ancestors. So it's thought that it's done on behalf of the dead, but it's also thought that it's to confuse any spirits that may be lost or wandering so that they don't go home with you. They can't tell the difference between other spirits and real humans. Yeah, that's the one I've always heard that you disguise yourself so they can't follow you home. Probably a little bit of each. Yeah. What does it mean to you? Well, for me, it's always been a time. So growing up, we didn't really do a lot. Like we went trick-or-treating, but it was never a big deal. So I've kind of had to develop my own traditions around it. Like I don't even really remember carving pumpkins. I think that would have just been too messy for my mother to even imagine doing. I'm sure we did, but I don't have memories of it. But the one thing I do remember is that that, that was the time that she would start baking a lot and putting a lot of food away. And so for me, it's a time to honor my ancestors. For me, I typically put out a big, I call it a ghost meal, where I cook whatever I'm going to cook. And then I put a, a, a dish of the food on my ancestor altar along with... Um, a glass of usually brandy, sometimes wine, depending on who I'm really focused on working with. And I hand out candy to trick-or-treaters. And that's pretty, unless I'm at, at your house. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up, we always did the pumpkins and trick-or-treated, but nothing else. It wasn't a big holiday. When Katie was young, I took her and her friend trick-or-treating, and this one person had all special, like you walk through the graveyard and all that. And I thought, well, that is really cool. So when we moved into this house, we started having the haunted house. And it, this year, we're not doing it. Sorry, Avalon Village. But I could not do it in good faith and have two or 300 kids in one small area. I just can't do it. We're not going to give out candy. Mm-hmm. So until I moved into this house, I never really recognized the increase of activity. You know, my, this house is haunted year-round. We're going to start doing some Zoom ghost hunting, see how that works at the house, to see if we can pick up something for you guys. The thing about this house, we are the only people that ever live in this house, so I'm not sure if the wetlands has something to do with it or is it just people in the house. The last few years, I've really noticed the increased activity around Halloween. started 
think it was a couple of weeks ago I started telling you about paper towel and the vortex oven and things slamming. This year, I'm really going to kind of go into it like the Celtic New Year. And I bought a bag of peppermint mints for my mom. <laughs> my mom and her mints. So, um, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> she, oh man, that woman. Pretty sure she'd come back and haunt just for mints. Um, she would. No, I believe that. Get um, a bottle of Pacifico beer because that was his favorite. And they're going to go on my altar. Going to open up some patties and put them on a little plate. And of course, some of my other other thing I was thinking because I am kind of look, going to look at it as the Celtic New Year is I was going to make some New Year sigils with my beach rocks. Oh, that's brilliant. Something for prosperity and um, bringing things into the New Year. And then this will be the first year I'm going to bake with my granddaughter. And we're going to Halloween cupcakes, and we're making marshmallow monsters. Oh, so cute! So, um, you know what? Since it's New Year's, Kristen, we probably should do a um, a spread. Oh, we should totally do that. We a, should totally do that. Yeah. And I mean, Halloween now because my grandson's birthday is just two weeks before Halloween, and he's our little spoopy baby. It has, you know, we do more his tiny little birthday party will actually be the 30th and we're baking cupcakes ghosty cupcakes nice yeah <laughs> he saw he saw a picture of them and he went oh spoopy <laughs> gluten-free fun what do they call that cupcakes that has all the sparkles over it funfetti or whatever Ooh. Out the way we usually do. Normally, my garage would already be the wall set up and they're all cleared. But yeah, it's a good year for me to kind of focus on the Celtic New Year and do my altar and things like that. Also, the full moon and the second full moon of the month. Yes, which is a really good time. I mean, I don't know when this is going to go out exactly, but this is a good thing to bring up. You know, when you have a month that has two full moons, that second full moon is going to have a different sort of power than the first one. So, you know, maybe stick out, especially because it's Halloween. Yeah. Maybe stick out some of your uh, more important ones. Yeah. Um. But I would, I would tend to think, see, my gut right now is saying, do the ones like the Onyx and the, I don't know why Labradorite keeps coming to my head, but. Um, I would probably just blame for that. <laughs> don't I have? I do have two, two big for that. I don't think I have any Onyx though. I do. I have a huge chunk for reasons that, yeah. Yeah, I think this year we get to learn and reflect a little differently because of COVID. And, you know, we've already been, a lot of people have already been reflecting in different ways. So now it's kind of a good opportunity to reflect, not just on your life right now, but maybe your ancestor's life and maybe your generational stuff. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's generational prosperity or lack thereof or generational trauma or, you know, what cycles have been through the gener, because my sister and I were actually talking about this the other day. 
because um, my sister and I were both adopted. So biologically, we don't necessarily know what sort of generational ancestral things we have. Um, but we do know pretty well our adoptive families history. And, you know, we were always raised that we're just family. It's not, we're not othered. So it'd be interesting to do some research on that. Cause you know how they talk about your auras and everything and um, the further away, it's like ancestral. Mm -hmm. Interesting mm -hmm. because you have been brought into this family, into this soul group, whether you're carrying some of that. I think it would be fascinating, actually, if I could get my sister, and this is a tangent, and this is this is how things are going to start kind of going, because um, I, I want this to be more a podcast of conversation, but uh, I think it'd be fascinating to have somebody do an aura reading on me, and then not knowing, have them do my sister. Yeah, see if any of the, the further especially out. Especially since you would never know we're related. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, we have the same last name, sort of, but like you would never know where we don't look remotely alike. Yeah, it'd be interesting this um, difference between because your soul is just residing in this vessel. Well, don't say that word again because <laughs> no, that's why I said it. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should offer a prize to the first person that finds the spirit that talked in the last video. We should do that. See if anyone's anyone's found it. I am an avid paranormal investigator, and I love doing investigations around this time of year because the veil is so thin. But ironically, and so like when I I've worked in two very haunted uh, historic home museums. One uh, I worked several years at. And I always thought it was really funny that our activity would actually die down a little bit during this time of year, but would flare up like no one's business at Christmas. And I realized it's because despite the fact that the veil is thinner. That meant the most, this, you talk about grandma? I'm talking about grandma. Grandma um, loved Christmas and Christmas for her um, this is a Victorian home. It was built specifically for this one woman. We called her grandma. Like it was designed for her. She loved Christmas. And we know she loved Christmas because that was the only time um, after the family had a falling out that she would really come and stay long periods of time in the home that was built for her. So at Christmas, we would have Christmas. Uh, so we would have a Christmas tree in every single room of this Victorian mansion and lights would go off, the Christmas tree lights would go off, uh, and then come back on again, even though no one was messing with the plug. We had the demon train. <laughs> Thanks so much. Oh my gosh. Uh, we had a, a battery-operated toy train that went around the base of one of the trees that would just go off randomly. It was supposed to be you had to push the button on the top of it to make it go, but I could be sitting alone in the house two rooms away and it would just start now didn't it start once and it was packed away yeah 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 demon in the box so the last year i was there we had packed up so christmas gets packed up over a weekend it's a 
huge joint kind of event to pack up Christmas because it's massive. Um, And everything gets packed up and stored away and put up in the attic. That was all done. Um, The train, because the train that year had been particularly active and it was kind of making everybody anxious just in general because everybody who worked at that museum had seen the train behaving that way. So the person who backed up the train made sure that they removed the batteries before they packed it away. And um, nobody thought anything of it. Come March, I show up to work and my boss is sitting on the back steps and she's refusing to go in. And I'm thinking that is really bizarre. What is the problem? She had gotten to work uh, before me, had been sitting at her desk, which is directly below the attic, uh, directly below the Christmas storage room. Uh And she uh, had heard thumping and she thought maybe like maybe a squirrel had gotten in or, you know, who knows, old old home. she goes upstairs to figure out what's going on and it's thumping coming from one of the Rubbermaid containers and it turns out the train was on and there were no batteries in it. Wow. Now, could she have been lying to me? Of course she could have, especially if you know my history with her. <laughs> but, but she was either very good at faking fear because yeah. she was definitely acting terrified. Yeah. And she really didn't promote the ghost activity anyway so no she really didn't i mean she knew she knew the place was haunted she'd had experiences we'd both been sitting in the in the room when we heard somebody running up the stairs and we kind of looked at each other like what's that (laughs) but our board of directors was very adamant that the house wasn't haunted and we were never to say anything about it which no (laughs) please (laughs) that was the first ghost hunt i ever did with you four of us and um, I was upstairs with, you know, who mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no longer gets a name. The first thing I noticed is the room went down like 10 or 15 degrees in temperature. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a lot of pressure on my head. Like just like the atmosphere was like twice, twice the normal. Just that's the first time I've uh, felt that. But then you had the crazy light in the kitchen, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So while you were upstairs... We were downstairs in the kitchen, which was kind of our home base where we were charging equipment. And, and we were having, we had to do this during the daytime because the board of directors was so anxious about, oh, we're not haunted, we're not haunted. Yeah. So we just did it during the daytime. But also part of the reason I, I had no problems doing it during the daytime was because I worked during the day and I'd had so much activity. Yeah, during the day. So I was like, well, I know they're active during the day. Just like this house Uh all the time. The other thing I picked up was, I can't remember exactly, but it was upstairs and I picked up a feeling of a man, but where he played the cards in that area. Mm, Yeah, the doctor, what a jerk. So he was uh, the final owner of the house. He was her husband and he died in the house. He uh, had, when they, when she bought the house, they remodeled it and built him a specific room up in the attic where he would just go and play cards for hours and hours and hours on end. And so we got a lot of activity up in the attic from him, but it was all very 
I don't want to say malevolent because it wasn't malevolent, but it was definitely Crushy. a grumpy old man. He, we know for a fact that he had PTSD. He was, he had been a very high ranking officer in the army in both the Pacific theater of World War II and the Korean War. And, and we know that, like we, we know that for a fact. So he had PTSD. We know he had PTSD, what would now be called PTSD, but he was also just mean. He was also incredibly homophobic. And we know this because at any point that there was a same-sex couple of any type that went through the house, if they went up to the attic, the activity in the attic would spike. Yeah. And he, I know he tried to push one man, one man down the stairs because the guy came up to me and he was like, um, is this house haunted? And I said, well, I'm not supposed to say yes, but yes, because <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. And he goes, oh, good, because I just got, I, something just tried to push me down the stairs and I think you need to know. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, that'd be asshole. <laughs> um, I was thinking too, the ancestor part of, Halloween spirits, um, you had the incident with your grandson in the rocking chair. Oh, oh, I for, I almost forgot about that because it's so normal for him to do that right now. Mm-hmm. So I have the rocking chair that my mother had when I was born. The rocking chair she rocked all three, you know, all three of us in the rocking chair. I've had, I'm pretty sure I had it for at least two kids but I think I had it for all three and you know when for sure we've had it she when my mother came here literally came here to die she sat in that rocking chair the whole time she was here if she wasn't in her bed she was in the rocking chair and so I can picture her yeah you know <laughs> yelling at the tv yep. um yeah she um but gray the other day went to the rocking chair and said what did he say? I can't remember what he said now, but he was very clear. He didn't want to sit and rock in the rocking chair. He rarely wants to sit and rock. But he, he came like make, Grammy, but he, he was very clear that it wasn't you. Because he says Grammy's Grammy. Yeah. Or Grammy's, yeah, because he never says, he never calls her, I don't know. Anyway, he made it very clear that he just wanted me to know that she was sitting in the chair. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't he like he was asking you to rock him? He was telling you no. that he was in the chair. Because we don't rock, we dance. And then he knows from sight both your mother and your grandmother because he'll yes he'll take those pictures uh well they're packed right now but um he will take especially he loves the picture of my grandmother and he picks it up and he says he carries it around the house and he talks to the picture of my grandmother Mm -hmm. and he makes sure i'll say who's that ami's ami yep that's grammy's grammy and um I have my mother's ashes and he talks to those and they're up out of reach. Like he'll just sit below where they're at and just chatter away. Yeah. Like he just. The children are, I truly believe it's not just because they're younger and they're more sensitive, but also we haven't drilled it out of them. And I, I don't plan on drilling it out of gray. He can talk to the, Oh, but that does remind me I should probably head up to that cemetery this weekend too. Oh, the one by your house? The one by my house. Yeah. Yeah. I should leave something out for for Evelyn. Maybe I'll take a ride up to the cemetery this weekend. Oh, that'd be a good idea. 
we were gonna go stop last week when we went up went up to Albany, but we didn't. So what was that? I didn't see it. No, you didn't hear that. I heard kind of a clicking kind of noise. Or no, it sounded like water. I wonder if it was my computer, the hard drive fan going. Oh, maybe. Or it might have been that every once in a while the fan comes on. Not see, we we don't say everything is spirits. We investigate first and try to rule it out. Yeah, I it's it's so funny because around here I will every so often catch a female voice, one or two words. And for the longest time I thought it was the neighbors. Yeah. But then I realized it was almost always happening when everything is closed up and the neighbors are gone. Yeah. I heard, I, guess that's not... hmm? I heard a woman's voice the other day on the stairway. Yeah, that's See how it goes in the next week, how much activity activity goes. That's, um, we will be doing a virtual Zoom ghost hunt here at my house. So yeah, for a lot of pagans, this time of year is very thin. Um, it's time to give a lot of thanks because it's the end of the bountiful season and we're moving into the, the season of, of reflection and that. Leave something out for your ancestors. Um, my favorite thing to tell people is if you are working, you know, there's two kinds of, of things we mean when we say ancestors. The first is obviously the people that we know, like the people on your on your family tree that you can chase, trace back. So like my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, who I actually have a memory of, those ancestors. The next thing we mean by that is the ancestors we don't know. Mm -hmm. So going back generations and generations, maybe we don't even mean people we're related to, but people who are tied to us through our genetic culture yeah. So I am Scottish. So am I. Um, and I'm not just genetically Scottish. Um, my dad's family is all from Scotland. Uh, my adoptive dad's family is all from Scotland. My mom's family is all from Ireland. So that Celtic, that Celtic umbrella, if you will, is all um, all my ancestors. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I were to leave out an offering, well, I'm going to leave out an offering. Um, I'll leave out an offering that's specific to my closer ancestors. So I'll definitely be leaving out um, a little bit of, of probably Bailey's, a little bit of probably coffee. Um, <laughs> Do you have Bailey's? That's a good idea. <laughs> um, well, my grandmother, my loved Bailey's. Um, Sharon, oh my, Sharon. Bailey's. Um, and margaritas. <laughs> but I am not making margaritas for her. Um, and then I'll just, whatever I have for dinner, because they weren't particularly picky about food. But for the, the deeper ancestors, I would probably choose something more traditional to that heritage. So maybe roasted potatoes or um, my dad's, the shortbread recipe that's been handed down, um, or a good mead or something like that. So just, you know, use those concepts to plan your meal. Because I, I have one friend who does a big ancestor meal, and it's very 
very southern food. It's all southern food, like fried catfish, and because that's their their deeper heritage is is southern food. So just think in terms of what your deeper heritage is, not just your not just your closer, you know, your more tangible ancestors, but those deeper ones, the ones that you don't necessarily know by name or even know by family. Mm-hmm. What they may want. I just got a vision, something I'm going to do, and I'm going to put it over my ancestral altar, is I'm going to take different colors and do spirals. Because I, on my dad's side, I'm back into like the 1200s. I'm just going to write as small as I can and spiral out as much as I can get on a 8 by 10. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then um, use two different color pens. So you can see, obviously, my mom's side, because once we get to Ireland... I don't get back as far, but my dad's side goes way back. See, I love that. That's perfect. Share it with Kinley, too. Like, I might even, if I do it well, I might even put it in a frame and put it over the altar. I love that a lot. So let us know how you celebrate Halloween or Samhain. You can let us know by emailing us at lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. Segway. you can find us us on the uh, you can find us at lunarmagicteatime.com you can find us on facebook uh there is a group and a facebook page you can listen to us on itunes stitcher spotify podbean and google play there's merch on teespring and you can find us on youtube at lunar magic lunar magic tea time and you could check out uh kristen posted the orb party so check it out on facebook and let us know what you think thank you and have a very magical halloween